Greetings, everyone. This is Richard Earls, the publisher of Travel Research Online, speaking to you from Tallahassee, Florida. Welcome to another episode of TRO Signal, where we seek to plumb the psychological depths of owning and operating a travel practice. Today's episode is pretty special. Most travel advisors enter the profession because they simply are passionate about travel and helping others to travel in creative ways. Today, we want to explore the possibilities of taking the journey just one step further. Many of us dream of the expat lifestyle. What would it be like to pick up and leave our homes and just move to a new country? What would it be like to be an expat travel advisor? Today, we're joined by four travel professionals who have done just that, who have decided to move abroad and to continue their travel practice. We're going to ask our guest what inspired them to take on the new challenges of adopting another country as home, and how it's affected their travel practice, and what advice they have for others considering the expat lifestyle. I'm going to introduce each of our guests, but their full biographies and contact information can be found in today's show notes. Let me first introduce Lori Gold. Good to have a Canadian on board with us. It's always a pleasure now, but we're going to have to talk about crossing more than one border Mm -hmm. uh, in in your case. You started off in Canada and now you live in Mexico. Uh, What took you south of two borders? It's funny because I actually didn't come straight to Mexico. I first went to Miami um, and it was my first time living away from home. And I had, you know, it was my idea originally to come to Mexico for a lot of reasons, but I was a little bit nervous because I had never gone anywhere on my own, um, lived on my own or anything like that, especially in another country. And Miami was like my second home because I grew up having a condo there. My family had a condo. So I went, you know, once or twice a year and I knew it, it was comfortable. So I thought, well, I'll start off there for a few months just to sort of get my feet wet. And then if it goes well, then I'll take the move, the jump and move to Mexico. So that's what I did. I I did, I think it was like three months in in Miami. And then when my time was up, I'm like, okay, it's time to go to Mexico. Good for you. Karen Rosenblum, I just met you through a dear friend of mine in San Francisco. You were born and raised in Chicago and now... You're living the dream in Spain. Tell me about making that pilgrimage to Europe. So, um, yeah, I spent um, most of my life in California, though. So that's where I pretty much consider myself from at this point, if there's that loaded question. Um, But I was one of the original digital nomads. In 2011, I got a job with Airbnb out of their San Francisco office, but I could work remotely from anywhere in the world. So I started doing that. I maintained my San Francisco apartment because anyone who lives in the Bay Area knows you don't want to give that up. And um, I had been to Spain already, but I went back. I, I was there as a child with my family, and I went back as an adult and absolutely fell in love with it. This was about uh, almost 10 years ago now. Eventually, left my job at Airbnb with the idea that I was moving to Spain and starting my own bespoke Spain travel service. So long story short, that's what I did. (laughs) Terrific. I I have so many questions for you. Jennifer Mackey, 
I really liked the sentence in your bio where you said you purchased a one-way ticket to Puerto Rico. What prompted such a dramatic move? You know, it, it wasn't sudden. It was always something that was in the back of my mind. However, uh, COVID just brought that to the forefront so much faster because our lovely governor uh, deemed us non-essential and um, we had to close our business. Uh, we were, it, it was illegal to go to work for over three months. And while I was at home, I realized this is my opportunity. I always knew that I could do this business from anywhere. I started out home-based. It just happened that I had a storefront. But um, going back home, I realized that I can do this from anywhere. And I don't want to continue to live in what felt like prison with everything being, you know, all these executive orders and whatnot. So I just said, let's do it. So we put our house on the market. It sold within, you know, a few hours, literally, of, of being listed. We sold everything we owned on Facebook Marketplace bought a one-way ticket to Puerto Rico, and we've never looked back. Well, we're going we're gonna to come back to the whole concept of courage. <laughs> so <laughs> so that'll, that'll be part of our conversation later for sure. And Matt Walgren. Matt, I've known you for several years, uh, from your very first entry into the travel industry, really. You were born in Sunnyvale, California, in the San Francisco Bay Area, and you just moved to Puerto Vallarta. And you're the newbie in the group. You've been there about, what, uh, two weeks? Yeah, about two weeks now. <laughs> okay, I think you're about to get tutored. <laughs> I think you've got a, a bunch of folks with a little more experience than that uh, here on the panel with you. Let me, let me ask, Matt, what was, what was your key motivation for making such a, a bold move in your life? I guess it is something that we had been thinking about for you know, a, a, about a year or so moving somewhere else. We didn't know where. Um, we just wanted to get out, out of the Bay Area. It's uh, both me and my partner, that's where we, we grew up. And it just was getting too expensive, too busy, uh, just too. And uh, <laughs> I, I like to say I didn't, I didn't leave the Bay Area. The Bay Area left me. Um, it's, just, it's just not the same anymore. And it's just, we did own a house and you just look at the, the prices of the housing going up and up and up. And you're like, man, I can sell this house and get a nice chunk of change and go live somewhere else pretty easy. Why don't I do that? And COVID just brought it to the forefront. You know, I, we couldn't see our friends, my networks, the things I was trying to do with my business all kind of came to a stop. Why, why do this in the most expensive, one of the most expensive places in the world? I can go somewhere else. And so uh, it happened pretty fast. But for me, it's something I had done before. So I, right out of college, I had joined the Peace Corps on a whim. Um, and that was my first abroad travel experience. And I didn't come back for two years. So I kind of knew a little bit about what I was getting into, although that's been many years ago. So it was, uh, now I'm kind of being reminded of some of the differences. I'm like, oh yeah, you can't really not as easy to buy those things that you're used to even simple stuff like I love the shout color catcher when I'm washing my clothes so my the colors don't bleed <laughs> and I'm like, I can't find those here <laughs> you can't just have things easily shipped by Amazon it's not I'm like okay so there's some adjustment so but, I, but I'm loving it it's all part of the adventure all right good good does anyone else want to comment kind of on that that motivation question what what motivated you to to 
to do something that a lot of people think about doing and, and yet never really do. Karen, what was the inspiration for your move? So I'm, I'm with Matt on that. Um, the Bay Area, I, I realized that I am having to work all of this time without you're you're just paying for to live there basically and um i was over it a long time ago just the housing prices and the prices for everything and i also had not only working for airbnb but i had full-on travel agent experience working for sta travel in berkeley for several years and i finally decided that um when the time was right which was pre very very pre-covid that i just wanted to go out on my own and start my own business and start that overseas. Also, like Matt, I had had experience living overseas. I studied abroad in both um, Paris and in Japan, and I'd also traveled very extensively as a digital nomad with kind of no home base for a while. So I was really used to like the little quirks. I mean, there's nothing that will ever compare to applying for a visa and moving to Europe. Um, in my case, what I want to call permanently now but there were a lot of factors really leading up to it that brought me to that point of my life. Yeah, the question of permanence crossed my mind. Do you guys see this as an extended vacation or do you see it as a life change? Lori, how about you? I don't know if it's going to be permanent. My ultimate goal, which was supposed to happen this year and of course didn't and hopefully will happen next year, is to do six months here and six months in Canada. I think that's the best of both worlds because summer in Mexico, um, it's it's pretty rough. Um, so that is what I would like. But you know, I, I don't have a home in, in Canada. I, I have my lease is here, you know, I have a year lease. So and I applied recently for um, temporary residency. So that's in the process. It will be approved probably within this month. So at least I have that. And then from there, I can get permanent residency. So I don't have to worry about, you know, coming and going. I, I have that. It's hard to say, you know, anyone who's made a big move like this, I think, you know, has a hard time with the word permanent probably because um, that's just not who we are. But you know, it is. It does feel like home. I can't imagine there. There really is nowhere else that I want to live, except maybe um, have somewhere also in Canada, close to my family and friends. But in terms of anywhere else in the world, like I think this is it for me. I like Lori's point about the permanence thing, because I I don't know. When I want to, am I going to be here forever? Maybe I'll go somewhere else. I you know I don't know. But I feel free to make that decision. I feel free to not be stuck. And I I do worry about the perception that my clients might think that I'm on an extended vacation because it's not, I'm still working. So I need, need, need to put some messaging out, say, hey, I'm still working, planning trips from Puerto Vallarta though. Um, I don't want them to think that I've uh, just going on vacation and not working anymore. Erin, how about you? I mean, at this point, I do feel like Spain is home. Um, I've been in Madrid for, my plan was always three to five years in Madrid and we're coming up on three years pretty soon. And I am, getting ready to move to the South. That's what had drawn me to Spain from the beginning. I picked Madrid as a starting ground because of networking opportunities, other young professionals. I mean, I'm not young, but other, <laughs> other, other self-employed professionals like myself. So for networking, it's also right in the center of Spain so I can easily travel. I'm in the position though that professionally, I do specialize in Spain. I book and plan bespoke trips to Spain. I have my own online Spain travel community as well. So I'm really 
am really in Spain and in it to win it, as I like to say. And since I've been here for a while now, I do feel some sense of permanency. Of course, with my lifestyle and the way that I've always lived, you can never use that word. It's kind of almost a dirty word. And I realize that I'm the one who used it just now to begin with. But um, for the long term, yes, definitely. I, I love Spain. I love Spanish culture. I love the lifestyle here. I love the people. I love, love, love traveling in Spain and, and selling that to my clients as a true expert, especially to places more off the beaten path. So yeah, right now, this is it for a while. And being an American who lives in Europe right now and trying to get back to the U.S. and then fly back here, even though I legally can because I have European residency, it just doesn't feel like the right time to be, you know, traveling between countries. I did a full-on lockdown, a full-on quarantine in Spain. We had one of the strictest in the world. We could only leave our homes for groceries and pharmacy, no bike rides, no walks, no meeting with friends, none of that. And this is my home now. And that's that's just how I'm feeling right now. <laughs> how about you, Jennifer? Tell me about your plans staying or moving on. You called it a one-way ticket. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, you know, for now, I, I'm in the same camp as Karen. Um, I say three to five years. Uh, but the fact is, we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. And as Lori alluded to, there's, you know, committal or, or permanency is just a, it's not in our vocabulary because the world is such a large place. I dream of having three or four different properties throughout the world uh, that I would be able to just kind of follow the sun, so to speak, uh, throughout the year. And when I'm not there, then I would just, you know, rent them out. There's, there's an, um, you know, a, a huge opportunity there just in the, you know, Airbnb side of things. But I think for now, you know, I'm, I'm going to plant some roots here, get better at my Spanish and, you know, maybe take a note out of Karen's playbook too and uh, be the, you know, the gringa in destination who can actually help people. Yes, Puerto Rico is very easy for Americans to get to, uh, but it's not really America once you get here. So, you know, I think that that's a, a great opportunity for me here for, for the here and now as well. Yeah, you, you mentioned that. It, it reminded me that I kind of had neglected a, an important question here. And I have to ask, does everyone here speak Spanish fluently? Lori, how about you? Not yeah. at all. Not at all? No. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and and uh, Jennifer? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all, really? Really? No, I not. did not know the... Matt, if, Matt, do you speak Spanish? No, I'm on Duolingo like every day trying to pick it up. But uh, I mean, I try. But <laughs> okay, I, I totally blew this one. Uh, uh, Karen, I'm guessing you're fluent. Um, I'm not fluent, but I'm proficient. I, I deal with vendors. I, I speak Spanish in my daily life. But um, fluency, languages are rough for me to begin with, and fluency is a whole new level. I, I feel like I'm proficient. When I watch TV, I understand it. I can go out for dinner with Spanish friends and have a conversation. I can do my business dealings in Spanish, like calling hotels, calling outside tour groups, calling, um, you know, calling around places for my clients. But fluency, I don't consider myself fluent yet. I consider myself proficient. Wow. For me, that goes back to the whole concept of courage. I think it's an amazing thing to move to a country where you don't speak the language fluently. 
but then I've lived here for years and years and years and don't truly speak English fluently. Uh, so, so maybe that's there's a lot of there's a lot of English, Spanish, Spanglish, and charades that happen on a day to day basis. <laughs> I think we all live in, in pretty touristy areas, though. So um, unfortunately or fortunately for us, it's not really like 100% necessary. I mean, I think it's important and I'd love to speak Spanish, but um, it's so hard to learn a new language at this stage. And especially when you don't have to because you can get by, you know, with Google Translate or with just being in like main tourist areas that, it, you know, a lot of people do speak English. So you're not forced to as if you were living in like a small town somewhere. There is a large international community here in Spain, but unlike our neighbors in Northern Europe, the level of English here is much, much lower. Um, most people over a certain age don't speak English here, and English can be very broken even in a big international city like Madrid just because of the way that they had been teaching it in schools. That's been changing over the years, so the younger generation is going gonna, is gonna to be a little, bit, a little bit more bilingual, but um, I do think that in Spain... Spanish is is the first language, and English isn't as commonly spoken as some would think. You could get by here by only speaking English, because as I said, there is a big international community as well. But I think to really integrate here and to really be able to like live life easier here, I should say, having a working level of Spanish, it's a good place to start. A lot of people move here and not speaking Spanish, and and learn it, go to classes, you know, and, and just by being on the streets and being here, you, you're encompassed by it. So um, it, it's part, it's partial immersion as well. But yeah, here in Spain, the level in, of English isn't as high and where I'm going to be moving, hopefully in the South pretty soon, it's even less. That's good for practice. Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask each of you, did you have local mentors, sponsors, friends who helped you get settled? And did you go by yourself or with a friend partner? Lori, how about you? I went by myself and I didn't really have anybody. No, I had nobody helping me. I have a lot of travel agents and people asking me now about moving here. And I'm so like happy to help them because I know how hard it was for me. I mean, there was Facebook groups then that I used and they're even better now. And I think that probably all of us rely on expat Facebook groups. I rely on them so much, like almost daily asking questions. And I'm in a few with, you know, thousands and thousands of people. So those people helped, even though I don't know them, but I did come by myself without really knowing anybody and, and, and no help. Jennifer, how about you? Um, I did not know really much about anything. I just knew that um, this is what I wanted to do. So let's go for it. And as Lori said, just kind of following uh, Facebook groups and asking the questions. And uh, again, you, you'll, you'll never find anybody more willing to help than expats in those Facebook groups. So that has definitely been, been, been a great resource for us. And, and us, yes, I came with my spouse. Matt, what about you? Yeah, a little bit. Um, I mean, I came uh, with my partner. We both have our own businesses. We, we work from home, so we can really work from anywhere that has a good connection, internet connection. Uh, I did reach out to a childhood friend who just bought a place in the Cancun area and asked him for some advice. And then I remembered a guy that I know in Chamber of Commerce, and we've become pretty close over the years, I, that he had a place in Puerto Varta. So I asked him. And then he said, well, why don't you stay at our place? I can give you a good rate, you know, something that 
that's reasonable. And so, so we worked out a deal. And so that helped a lot because they're able to give a, a lot of advice and, and connect us um, with resources, even just something as simple as a rental car place that um, isn't going to gouge me or, or just that really has your back or just different connections in the neighborhood. So it, so it did help a lot. And Karen, how about you? Was this a solo venture or did you have some help? So I came alone uh, by myself, to, but um, I already had friends in Spain and I do, I'm very lucky that I have an adopted Spanish family as well, who has basically taken me in. One of the members of the family lives in California and we actually met through the same cycling ride that you met Kara's through. So I, his family sort of adopted me. His brother lives here in Madrid, everywhere in Spain. They have family and friends. So anytime I'm, you know, at first, especially whenever I would go somewhere new in Spain, I would ask them to connect me. Um, but yeah, I, I did move completely by myself, single, no partner, no kids, just me. Let, let me ask, is there, and I, th- I think this is going to be on the minds of a lot of people who listen to you describe your own experience. Was there a fear factor? Do you feel that you're accepted by the locals or are you on the outside looking in? Matt, what about you? Yeah, I had a, a little bit of concerns. There wasn't a huge fear factor. There was just this feeling of like, boy, is this... Am I being crazy? Is this just crazy? Should I be doing this? Ah, I want to do it. I want to do it. And it was, it was more excitement than anything else. I've been here a couple of weeks, um, starting to meet some people. It's, you know, it's, it's, we've got a couple of friends now um, that we've met and hung out with. There are a lot of Americans and Canadians here. Uh, I don't know if I'm fully accepted yet. It's, I'm so new, but I, I don't feel, I feel comfortable now after it's been a couple of weeks. I'm not so trepidatious about, you know, different things. I am extra careful because I, I've noticed it doesn't matter, but anywhere in the world as a foreigner, you, you tend to have a mark on your back. If people notice people that might do you wrong, they tend to go after the foreigners first. I, that's some experience that I had living abroad before. So I'm extra careful, um, more careful than I would be back home because I don't know all the things here. I don't know how the police work. I don't know the culture or, or what things to watch out for. So there's some of that cautiousness. But overall, uh, I'm excited and I feel a lot more free and relaxed than I did than I did back home. I, I guess I didn't realize it as much, but now that I'm here, I do feel that maybe I was a little bit claustrophobic at home. And we did have some of the toughest controls on COVID in the area that I live. So it was getting a little bit suffocating. Anyone else have a thought on that particular topic? Yeah, I... I wasn't scared or fearful because I really didn't think about it. I I tend to do that. I just jump. And I think that a lot of fear, especially when it comes to this, but anything is, is just not being there and not, you know, just listening to what you hear on the news. And I do find that um, having lived in Mexico over the past four years, when anything big has happened, you know, during this time, but also in in the past where there's articles that come out, um, you know, about crime and things like that, being here really puts thing puts everything into perspective. And um, I'm, I'm not fearful because I'm here. And I think that if you're not in the place that's being talked about, you're scared. But when you're there, it doesn't seem like a big deal. And I think that's anywhere, you know, in, in any situation. So I feel like I, I'm less fearful being here than people would be hearing about things from, from home. Yeah. Interesting. I agree. I mean, I lived in San Francisco. I lived in Oakland as well. And Spain's a safe country. There's no doubt. I mean, Madrid is a big city. There's problems like any other big city. It's always, you know, the touristy areas where there's more problems, which 
I personally tend to avoid and just by the nature of my business, try to get my clients to look beyond those types of places too. But um, I mean, I would say that the bigger fear for me came when COVID hit and I realized that this is it. I'm here now. Like I had about an hour to make my decision, whether which was to get fully locked up in Spain, which we had a very strict lockdown or to go back to the U.S. And there was absolutely no doubt in my mind where I was, that I was staying here. And even though I still couldn't tell you when I'm going to get to see my friends and family again in California, which is really scary in itself, I still know that I 100% made the right decision. All right. Well, what do you wish you had known before you began all this? Is there, is there something that you wish you had taken into account or that you wish you had been counseled on before you arrived? Lori, how about you? Um, I think for me, it was more just about, and this is pretty specific, but about renting a place to just wait until you get there because um, Mexico doesn't really have bylaws and similar things that you would have in the US or Canada. Like you, you can build like a bar right beside like a house and you, you don't really know what you're going to get until you actually scope out a place during the day, at night, on weekends. And I think that that's really important to find out beforehand, which you can't, you have to really, you know, boots on the ground, be in town and then find a place that way. So, you know, to come down and rent for a few days, like an Airbnb or a week, and then look at different places uh, from Mexico. And no one really told me that now it's like the biggest advice in the expat group is don't rent a place before you come down. But that wasn't, I never really saw that when, when I first came and my place ended up being perfect, but I didn't really learn my lesson. The next time I rented something right away and it was a disaster. And I, I lost a huge deposit because of, you know, a, a wing place blaring speakers right into my windows and things like that. So just doing things once you get there, I think, a lot of people want to know if they should bring all their things from home and you know the, even though you can't get everything like Matt said there are you know you there are a lot of things that you can get here and not have to bring like massive suitcases or shipping containers or everything like that from wherever you come from we're going to take a short break we'll be right back what would you say were the biggest challenges you faced in operating your travel practice in your location anything that made it more or less difficult? Jennifer, what about you? Any special challenges? Aside from the internet going out or losing power and you're not used to that happening, um, that honestly is probably the biggest challenge is just um, taking advantage of the fact that there should be power every time you turn the light switch on. But I think more than anything, it has actually um, been easier to do the travel business because just the lifestyle alone is so much more relaxed and almost dare I say holistic in the sense that you know everything seems to be relaxed and healthy and you know you can go outside and there's always sunshine and and you know the sea breeze and just everybody loves life here that is just a, a whole different a whole different vibe, I guess I could say, altogether that just makes makes the job um, so much more enjoyable. And, uh, you know, I, I go for my daily walks and I'm almost in tears some mornings saying, you know, oh my gosh, I'm actually in paradise. You know, I did it. I've been thinking about it. I've been reading about it for so long. I'm here. And what can I say my, my biggest frustration is? the internet goes out. So you know what, those are just my, my planned breaks throughout the day when that happens. 
What an interesting point. Let me ask the rest of you. Are you relaxing more or less in your new environment? I feel like definitely more for me. It's um, I have a pool here. There's an amazing ocean view. Just to be able to look at that um, every day just kind of calms the nerves a little bit. I, I do my morning swim. I do my evening sunset swim. I think it's uh, the internet may be a little bit of the issue. Uh, Jason's a programmer, so he does some heavy processes. And when we're when I'm webcamming and he's doing something heavy, then it can get a little bit bogged down. But overall, I'd say it probably has um, benefited my business because I am at a destination that people want to come visit. Since I've uh, moved here, I've already gotten um, inquiries about doing a destination wedding here. I've had several people reach out, what's it like in Mexico now? Like, how's it to travel there? Asking. So I'm helping them uh, put some plans together. So I think it's, I think actually it's probably boosted my business. Following up on that, there is the idea that as travel comes back online, there will be a demand for new destinations, those less frequently visited locales where the crowds are smaller and problems of over-tourism don't exist. Living your expat existence might mean you have some inside knowledge others won't have. Karen, what are your thoughts? I mean, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, back home in the U.S., when, when people look at guidebooks about Spain, they cover some off-the-beaten-path places, more or less, but... I really think to like get into a country and see the places that people might truly want to visit that are really unique, that aren't going to be on every cookie cutter itinerary of that country. Being here and being based here is really important. Um, I started a travel Spain community online on Facebook to connect myself and other Spain travelers. And in that whole process, I ended up connecting other small Spain business owners, both Spaniards and non-Spaniards, so a lot of uh, Europeans as well, not only Americans in that in that situation. And I built a network that way um, with these with some of these suppliers. So I have really really localized specializations now. Like for example, a few weeks ago, I was on my own summer travels, and I went down to a province in Andalusia in the south called Almeria. It's really off the beaten path. Most Americans don't go there when they go to Andalusia in the south. They go to Sevilla, they go to Costa del Sol, they go to Granada, which are all beautiful cities. I mean, I might be biased. I used to live in Granada and it's beautiful, but I mean, there, there are places that are truly special. And while I was in, and you really need a car to get off the beaten path, but while I was in Almeria, I um, met in person a member of my community who owns a travel business down there doing really off the beaten path, like day trips to various places. And they're even willing to pick clients up in Malaga, for example, which is a popular destination. So it's making connections like that, that I can really spice up my itineraries and um, show other people from my own country and, you know, all over the world, the really unique parts of Spain, which I never would have been able to find these connections, not speaking Spanish and living in the U.S. essential. How about your relationship? Let's, uh, let's dive into, the, um, into some of the more internalized and psychological aspects of this. Has your relationship to the concept of things and conveniences changed? And it sounds like from what I'm hearing, it, it definitely has. Lori? Yeah, um, I mean, that was one of the main reasons that I wanted to move to Mexico is to simplify my life. I mean, Mexicans have most have so little and they're so happy with what they have. 
Um, so I've sort of tried to take that on while still living, you know, a relatively or more than relatively comfortable life that I'm used to. But, you know, I wear the same, um, you know, cheap dress from the grocery store every day or every other day or whatever. And, and just because it's too hot to put on anything else and nobody would ever notice or care. And, you know, it's just, it's, the goal was a, a simpler life. And, um, and I think that I've sort of accomplished that. Like I said, I still, you know, need some comforts that, um, <laughs> from home from from Canada and I think that's pretty normal for anyone moving to um, another country but I am trying to embrace um, the way that the Mexican lifestyle is. Jennifer how about you? Well I definitely don't consume nearly as much peanut butter or almond butter or really anything dairy. <laughs> um, that is a huge change as far as the food goes. I love the food here. Um, but coming from the Midwest, everything was dirt cheap if it had anything to do with dairy. Um, here, dairy is probably the most expensive thing, um, aside from fresh seafood, which is, is crazy to me because we're on an island. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, that, that's probably the biggest thing. My diet has changed, and obviously for the better. I mean, it, it's not full of, you know, dairies and and breads and things like that. It, it's more of the fresh fruits and vegetables. And um, as I had mentioned earlier, the people here are so friendly. And I actually sold some things on Facebook Marketplace last night. And the lady who came to, to pick it up, uh, she had a whole big, huge box of passion fruit in the back of her truck. And uh, she gave me a couple of them. And I said, I don't even know what that is. And she you know, told me what it was. How to how to eat it, how to peel it, how to work it into a drink recipe or a salad, you know. So um, that that was very uh, interesting. But like I said, every day is is a new adventure of learning something new, um, and then remembering that yeah, you know, when peanut butter is ten dollars for a little tiny jar, I guess I don't really need that so much after all. <laughs> for me, it's just those shout color catcher sheets. That's it. That's all. <laughs> I miss. We came here with, with not very much. Um, in the Peace Corps, we had a running joke because future Peace Corps volunteers would, would get our contact and email us and say, what should we bring? And we always just say, just a toothbrush. Just bring your toothbrush. Otherwise, you know, everything else is here. You're going to integrate faster. If you don't bring a bunch of stuff, you can buy your stuff locally here. And you know the, the local businesses will appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Good, good point. Excellent point. Well, let me ask, what kind of advice would you give to somebody thinking about expatting and taking their travel practice to another country? Give, give the folks who are going to hear this a little bit of, of insight and advice from, from people who have actually made that move. So I think my biggest tip is really research your destination. Um, I'm a member of a lot of Facebook groups to a lot of travel groups, like worldwide travel groups. And, you know, there's always that question, I want to move abroad. Where should I move? I don't know. What are you interested in? Why do you want to move abroad? What are you hoping for? Moving abroad is also really different than traveling abroad. Like, do you have a connection to the country? Are you just moving to run away from something? Or are you trying to really integrate into another country, another culture? Does that other country fascinate you? I know for Spain and for anywhere in Europe, um, the visa process for people from North America is going to be a hassle. There's 
different types of visas. You really have to research them. Make sure you're applying to the right for the right type for you know what you're really seeking um, out of it, and that's like a whole you know different genre relocation. But um, really researching that and asking the right questions, and really researching your destination before deciding. Okay, I just want to do this. Now that said, to play devil's advocate, I do know people who made the leap to other countries not knowing much about the other country. And, you know, sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But um, I do think that having an understanding of the culture, where you're moving, what, you know, a little bit about the history of the country, why you personally want to move there, like deep, you know, dive deep, deep into your heart, not to sound cheesy. Why do you personally want to live there? If people ask me, all, people ask me all the time, why did you move to Spain? Why Spain? And I tell them, honestly, I'm passionate about Spain. Spain is like, Spain is my soul home. When I dug deep into my ancestry, I found out that my ancestors were from the south of Spain and got kicked out in 1492 and, you know, went to other parts of Europe and other parts of the world and then eventually ended up in North America. But, you know, there was something about Spain for me that always had my heart and always always just made me so happy to think about and talk about. And I remember when I first moved here and still even to this day saying the words, I live in Spain. It, it was just like, wow, I'm actually telling people I live in Spain and there's so much love and, and passion for this country that I, that I'm living in. And I've started a business. I had had the pieces in place to start that business, but now I can truly elevate my business to another level and share my passion about this country with my potential clients with my Facebook audience, with, you know, anyone who will listen to me. And it's genuine. When I talk about Spain, especially Spain off the beaten path, the Pueblos, I love this country so much. And for me, there was like no doubt in my mind. So it's, I think it's really knowing yourself and why you want to live there. Because uprooting your entire life and moving abroad isn't all like sunshine and roses. There are some hellacious parts to the process, the visas, the red tape, you know, as people mentioned, trying to like source things that you might need, even though I think we've all learned to live within, you know, what the country, what we can get in country. Secret, I still import my coffee from San Francisco. Whenever I have friends coming and going, I have them bring me a few bags of Phil's coffee. But um, other than that, I mean, this is, you know, this is it. And really knowing what you're getting into and knowing that you can live with the good and the bad in that place and really understanding for yourself, why am I moving to fill in the blank country? Is it just to run away from something? If it is, that's fine. And that's your reason. But like be able to think about that and rationalize that on another level as well. Because moving abroad is not an easy process. And it's not, you know, all sunshine and roses all the time. And like there are times when I'm having to dig deep, like, whoa, what did I do? I flipped my entire life and moved to Europe. But at the end of the day, it's completely worth it. And I love it because it was what was in my heart and what I wanted to do. I don't know if that answers your question. <laughs> it, there, there's, a, there's some passion coming through there. Yeah, a lot of passion. Lori, <laughs> <laughs> how about you? What, what tip would you give somebody thinking about, about this as something that they want to do, but they, they've got just a little bit of trepidation. 
Well, I think that now is honestly the best time. Um, I'm thinking specifically about where I live in, in the Playa del Carmen area. I mean, rents are at an all-time low. Um, they're like half of what I was paying last year for short term, and I had to sign like a year lease to get those rates. So I feel like right now, while things are still a little bit quiet, it's the best time. Um, and I mean quiet in terms of traveling around the world, and also our businesses are, are quiet right now, so there's no better time to make such a big move. Um, Unlike Karen was saying, though, it is like relatively easy to get um, residency in Mexico. Like, I, I think it might be the easiest country in the world. Like, I don't know 100%, but it's it's really, really easy. Um, almost anyone can get it. You do need to have like a little bit of money or prove that you make a certain amount per month. But the average um, travel agent would definitely, um, I think, qualify for that. So it's it's quite simple to actually move to Mexico. And even if you don't want to commit full time, you know, you can stay up to six months and then leave and then come back at any time and it restarts your six months. So it's pr not that I'm advocating for that, but um, it is it is relatively easy. And I think that if you do want to move somewhere that, um, like Karen was saying, like it should be somewhere that you love and that you're passionate about um, and that you also sell or want to sell because it's so much easier to sell something when you live there. I mean, people trust me like a hundred times more because I'm here, I'm on the ground. I could say, oh, I was just there last week or, you know, I'm going there in two weeks or, um, you know, you shouldn't be worried about coming here because this is how the situation actually really is. And, you know, other travel agents trust me and I help them help their clients. So, um, it, you know, and also like she said earlier about having connections um, and, and like off the beaten path things. I think that that's something that I've been trying to do more and more. And I do, you know, here there's something called Akumal Monkey Sanctuary, which is really like a commercialized type of place. It's like $90 a person. But I found one that's like on the same street next to it, but it's way smaller and it's way more about like helping the animals and it's like less than half the price. And, you know, the person who owns it lives around the corner for me and is a local. And it's about like supporting people like that. And you, you don't really know all those things unless unless you're here. So if you really want to focus on a destination, um, then it's really great to immerse yourself and really find those things. And um, your clients will hear the passion like Karen has and, and like I also have for Mexico. And then it helps you be a better travel agent and sell it better. And then you'll get recommended because of that. Jennifer, how about you? Well, I think there's, there, there's an important factor of researching it before you go. But I also think it's important um, to just do it. Sometimes um, our, our minds can have us talk out of things. Um, you know, we, we hear these stories of, you know, whether it be our mother's story or, you know, someone's story has been put on us that says that's not the responsible thing to do. <laughs> or who do you know that's ever done that? Um, you know, I don't know anybody who's who's really ever done. I mean, I know a few people, but not personally who who have actually done the expat uh, thing to Puerto Rico, to Mexico, to wherever. But I've read a lot of books, and I realize that you can be very book smart, but until you actually do it, um, you're never going to know. So so stop second guessing. Stop trying to analyze it. Just do it. And you know what? What's the worst thing that could happen? If it's not for you, guess what? The world is a very large place. You can pick a different destination, and you can always go back home. Matt, how about you? Yeah. Uh, come up with uh, your three deal breakers about your, your new destination. These are things that are non-negotiable, whether it be connectivity, 
the weather. Um, but come up with three and then let the rest go. Um, it's not going to have everything that you might want. Let the rest go. Um, have an open mind. Uh, like Jennifer said, just do it and uh, enjoy the ride. I want to thank each of you for the opportunity you've given us to learn firsthand something about the expat travel professional experience. I suspect you are all about to get a lot of questions from others who are considering following you across some new borders. Thank you again so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Richard. All right, guys. Take care. Stay safe. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. 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 Bye.